Welcome to The Gone Show, the show where my guests and I explore anything and anyone that is now gone or might as well be. On tonight's episode, the timeless story of a boy and his tiger. That's right, we'll be talking about the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes. The Gone Show. And now, joining the world and beyond from the Gone Show studio in the American Midwest, the host of the Gone Show, Bannon Backus. Good evening. Thanks for joining us for the Gone Show. With me in the studio tonight are Jay Stewart, who is a brain in a jar. It's my pleasure to be here. John Mad Jack Mitten, who passed away in the United Kingdom in 1834 and now manifests himself as an oversized mouth and mustache. Hello. And cosmonaut Stanislaw Kapustin. On behalf of Mother Russia and myself, it is good to be here. It's good to see everyone. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about one of the most famous comic strips of all time. Uh, Ziggy? Nope. Prince Valiant? No. Disco Slug Loves Chocolate Bunny? I've never even heard of that one. It's underground. Gotcha. No, we're going to be talking about Calvin and Hobbes. Oh. Ew. I don't know about anybody else, but I grew up reading Calvin and Hobbes, and it has a bit of a soft spot in my heart. Just remember to save some room for me. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Calvin and Hobbes is a lovely comic strip. Now that Stanislaw Kapustin thinks about it, there are some similarities between Kelvin and Hobbes, and Disco Slug loves chocolate bunny. Huh. So, Kelvin and Hobbes was created by Bill Watterson and premiered in newspapers in 1985. It follows the adventures of a young boy named Calvin and his friend Hobbes. And Hobbes is either a stuffed toy tiger or a real, living, breathing, talking, thinking tiger, which is how Calvin sees him. For readers, the evidence seems to point a little in the direction of Hobbes actually being alive, but it's left largely open to interpretation. Again, very similar to Disco Slug Loves Chocolate Bunny. Huh. So, Watterson began work on what would become Calvin and Hobbes while he was working in advertising, which apparently he hated. And eventually, Universal Press Syndicate purchased the rights to the comic strip, and it first appeared, as I said, in 1985 in... 35 newspapers, and less than a year later, its popularity led to it appearing in 250 newspapers. Disco Slug loves chocolate bunny, deserves that kind of popularity, but like Stanislaw Kapustin said, it is underground. Uh, What exactly is Disco Slug loves chocolate bunny about, Stanislaw? Yeah, I'm curious now, too. If it's anything like Prince Valiant, I'm all ears. The comic strip is about Disco Slug, a once ordinary slug who has been mutated by the Chernobyl disaster. The mutation has made Disco Slug larger than an average slug, and given him the ability to think and talk, and Disco Slug loves to party. 
but Discos Slug also loves Chocolate Bunny, who is actually Catherine the Great, reincarnated into the form of a large chocolate bunny. Okay. Needless to say, it is a romance in the tradition of Romeo and Juliet, but it is also a commentary on consumerism and despotism, and the influence that they have on sex. Naturally. Uh, well, that does sound interesting. And it's an underground comic strip, you said? It is correct. Very deep. All right. Well, we'll have to keep our eyes open for it. Um, before we talk more about tonight's topic, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you bald? Are you going bald? Or do you just want to look younger than those around you? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then keep listening, because you're going to want to learn more about a product that will change your life by changing the lives of others. Introducing Bald Move. Face it, the only problem with being bald is that oftentimes, many of the people around you still have a full head of hair. And that's where Bald Move comes in. Other products are designed to regrow hair, and they're not very effective, if they're effective at all. However, Bald Move takes a pragmatic approach to treating baldness. Our product won't regrow your hair or even prevent further balding, but what it will do is cause those around you to also go bald. That's right, when you apply Bald Move to your scalp every morning, the fumes from Bald Move's patented formula will cause baldness in those who regularly spend any time around you, with visible results in just three months, guaranteed. Just listen to this Bald Move customer. Yeah, this is Francis from Tucson. I've been bald for at least a decade, and my head looks like a peeled orange that's been left out in the sun. But my shift supervisor, who's half my age and has never even worked on the assembly line, has a thick, luscious head of hair. Or at least he used to. (laughs) After just a couple of months of applying Bald Move every morning, my supervisor started to ask me about the best sunscreen to use on your head. Thanks, Bald Move. Visit the Bald Move website today, and when you place your first order of $75 or more, we'll send you a free 100% cotton t-shirt printed with the words, I know something you don't know. Absolutely free. Our gift to you. So order today, and make your next move a bald move. Welcome back to the Welcome back to The Gone Show. Joining me tonight are Jay Stewart, John Mitten, and Stanislaw Kapustin. Tonight, we're talking about the comic strip, Calvin and Hobbes. And before the break, we were talking about its popularity, which I think it's safe to say comes from the intelligence of the writing, which you might expect from a comic strip where one main character is named after theologian John Calvin, and the other philosopher Thomas Hobbes. You knew, at times, Prince Valiant is also very highbrow. I'm sure it is. Of course, Calvin and Hobbes by no means focused exclusively on, as John put it, highbrow topics. It mined humor from anywhere and everywhere. In fact, I remember one of my favorite running gags was the 
sick and twisted snowmen scenes that Calvin would create in his parents' yard during winter. Yes, those were always a bit of dark fun. Wasn't there one that showed a snowman being cut in half by a toboggan? I think so, and then I think there was another one that showed a snowman eating a snow cone with another snowman nearby with an ice cream scoop stuck in its pack. Stinus Lokopustin enjoyed it when Kelvin pretended to be Spaceman Spiff. What a surprise! Yeah, the Spaceman Spiff ones were great too. They were all great. Anyway, unfortunately for Watterson, with the success of the comic strip came pressure from Universal Press Syndicate to create Calvin and Hobbes merchandise, and Watterson was adamantly opposed to ever doing that. Based upon my research, he believed that merchandising was harmful to his art form and that it ran counter to what his comic strip stood for. For example, apparently the way he saw it, creating a real-life Hobbes toy would be directly at odds with the comic strip's ambiguity as to whether Hobbes is actually alive. It sounds as though he truly loved what he had created. Yeah, definitely. But when Calvin and Hobbes was purchased by Universal Press Syndicate, Watterson lost certain rights to his creation, including the right to make decisions regarding merchandising. However, based upon what I read, the syndicate believed that they wouldn't be able to successfully continue the comic strip without Watterson. So they relented, and in... 1991, Watterson was able to successfully renegotiate a contract that gave him back ownership of his creation, which of course gave him control over things like merchandising, or the lack thereof. As you knew, I am very much above materialism. Oh, absolutely. But exactly how much hypothetical money did this man lose by not letting someone pay him to make stuffed animals? Good question, and it's estimated that by saying no to merchandising, Watterson lost out on between 300 and 400 million dollars. Oh my. John? John, are you okay? Oh dear. Where am I? Are you okay? Oh, yes. I'm fine. I believe I blacked out for a moment. What were we talking about? Uh, nothing. Just the small amount of money that Watterson had lost out on. Turns out it wasn't that much. Oh, yes, of course. Okay, so from what I was able to find out, the list of official Calvin and Hobbes merchandise, not counting collections of the comic strips that have been printed, consists entirely of two calendars, a t-shirt for the Smithsonian, a book about cartoon art, some official postage stamps, and a textbook entitled... Teaching with Calvin and Hobbes. You're right. That's not a lot of merchandise. And I found that the textbook is the most sought after of those items, with copies of it having been valued several years ago at around... 
$35,000. The textbook is for young students learning language and incorporates reprints of the Calvin and Hobbes comic strip. Apparently, Watterson only agreed to the creation of the book after the authors, who were also teachers, contacted Watterson directly and explained that they had had success in using his comic strip to help to teach students with special needs. Stinius Locke posting can only imagine how much it would sell for if it was a college textbook. Now, because of Watterson's dislike for merchandising, it is interesting to note that one kind of counterfeit Calvin and Hobbes item might be seen more frequently than any other counterfeit item in the world. And, of course, that is car window stickers of Calvin urinating on something. Stanislaw Boston is ashamed to admit it, but for many years, my car had a window sticker of Calvin relieving himself on the laws of thermodynamics. And in response to this glut of counterfeit merchandise, which I'm sure most listeners have seen, Watterson gave a response that I absolutely love. He said, quote, I clearly miscalculated how popular it would be to show Calvin urinating on a Ford logo, end quote. Well put. Along with regaining the rights to his creation in the early 1990s, Watterson won another, I guess I would say, artistic victory by successfully negotiating to have Universal Press Syndicate require that the Sunday editions of his comic strips be printed in a layout of Watterson's choosing. This allowed Watterson to draw those strips however he liked. Instead of having to arrange each panel of the strip in a certain way so that newspaper editors could later break it up and lay out the panels as they saw fit, Watterson said that he wanted this to happen so that he could be more creative. But from what I read, a lot of editors didn't take too kindly to this. And I also found that apparently Bill Keen, creator of the comic strip The Family Circus, was one cartoonist who opposed Watterson on this issue too. Responding to the issue, Watterson said... Quote, editors will have to judge for themselves whether or not Calvin and Hobbes deserves the extra space. If they don't think the strip carries its own weight, they don't have to run it. End quote. Uh, that seems fair enough. I think so, and so did most other people, I guess, because only 15 newspapers dropped the comic strip after the change took place. And I would say their loss. I admire him for it. Look at how many hoops artists usually have to jump through to provide something that, in the end, people love. It can be nice to see an artist leveraging what they offer sometimes. Well, it smacks of anarchy to me. I've never heard of Prince Valiant being mired in such scandal. Well, as we begin to wrap things up, I'll add that the final Calvin and Hobbes strip appeared in newspapers in... December 31st, 1995, and since then, Watterson has maintained the reclusive lifestyle that he seems to have had for most of his artistic career. Stanislaw Kapustin has always thought that it would be nice to spend his retirement years somewhere remote and quiet. Unfortunately, the vacuum of space is difficult to compete with. Yeah, that would be a hard one to beat. All right, to my guests and listeners, thank you. And until next time, good evening and good gone.
The Gone Show was produced, created, performed, and written by Bannon Backus. The Gone Show is a presentation of BoomTube, B-O-O-M-T-O-O-B. All rights are reserved. Visit BoomTube online at BoomTube.com and Facebook.com slash BoomTube Network.